0: Welcome to Biteside. This is going to be the last regular season edition of Biteside for the year, episode fifty-five zero. Um, so, you know, I mean, not that we're doing anything special for this edition. We are just talking about tech and games, and digital culture, as we always do. And who is joining me? It is Nick Healy. How are you?
1: I am good. I look. I'm not going to lie to you. I know it's only the third of December. I'm very, very Ready for this year to be over? I feel yeah. like it should be later in December. Um, yeah. So yeah, hey, hey, we got here though. There we were periods. Did. There were periods in July where I didn't necessarily believe December was coming.
0: Yeah, yeah. I look. I actually had uh, an email exchange with a good PR friend who. I was sure that I had sent an email weeks earlier and it turned out it had only been a few days earlier. Um, and so they were like, why are you chasing me up? Like it's been weeks, it was days. And I'm like, I don't even know what time is anymore. This year has just broken our sense of, of linear reality.
1: Look, it absolutely has, but I've got to say, it's also a bit of an old journo technique. I think there was a a tweet doing the rounds where journos be like, hey, sorry I didn't get back to you for 800 days, but I need a response to this in the next four seconds. (laughs) We do tend to do that. I'm not going to lie. We do tend to do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and then we wonder why they don't like us so much. But hopefully our listeners like us. Um, Otherwise, you know. Well, otherwise they would turn this off, wouldn't they? But thank you all for joining us again for another year. We launched this like a few weeks before PAX in 2019, um, which really means that most of this show's history has been through the the lens of, of a pandemic. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, look, a large chunk of it. I hadn't thought about that, but it really yeah. has. I mean, we were able to um, last year actually catch up and do one of these face-to-face. Yeah. Um,
0: but... Gosh, One. it has been a year. Yeah. <laughs> Look, um, if there's something that with a longer history than this show, it is the NBN. <laughs> um, and it's been mentioned now and then. But this week, the MBN gave us the delightful opportunity to ask, what would it cost? And not necessarily, I guess, well, this part of the debate. Um, but you type in your details and then they will send you a quote shortly thereafter that tells you, Uh, How much they would charge you if you uh, decided you want them to upgrade your home connection to fiber. I think this is like, it's not, this isn't part of that whole upgrade system that we've talked about more Mm -hmm, recently. mm -hmm. This is just giving people a very clear opportunity if they do want to just spend the money and get the upgrade. This is how you can now go about it. Um, I don't know if you put in a quote. I know I did put in a quote. Have you had a look at this thing? Why
1: don't you tell me about your quote? Because I have quite genuinely just put... Oh, my Lord. Okay. I've just run through while you were talking, getting a quote okay. done. And can I just say, it's not a pleasant little thing. For a start, trying to find the calculator, I had to find a news story that had a link to the calculator. Because actually finding <laughs> yep. the calculator via the NBN Co. website, not easy. Anyway. No. You then put all your details in and rather than giving you a quote then, it says it's going to email you the quote. And then when you get the email, it's actually a link taking you back to the website (laughs) you just left to check your email, letting you know what the quote is and informing me that if I've got a spare $16,000, I can get Fiber. $16,000. $16,169.
0: What are you currently on?
1: Uh, Fiber. It's a node. node. Yep.
0: Yep. Um, and how, do you know roughly how far away that node is from where you are? I don't actually, I genuinely don't. Um, it is not
1: the greatest internet connection I've ever had. Um, but a lot of that is probably how many we've discussed before, just how many things I've got connected to my... Wi-Fi network, which is an embarrassingly large amount of just little random things here and there. Um, but, no, it's not a fantastic uh, connection. And we have talked again before about the way Dubbo is almost split evenly down the middle from fibre to the premises and fibre to the node. Uh, Dubbo was halfway done with the NBN when we changed yeah, governments right. back in the
0: day. Yeah. Well, my quote here in barrel is $27,770. um hoy, I have a, I have a node two doors from my house. Um, so it's like it doesn't seem to be directly related. And, look, I guess, you know, they have to run the fibre cable. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they have to run one all the way from the exchange to your house to get the thing. But based on the numbers that I'm seeing people throwing around, it seems like it's typically – apparently some people have gotten quotes that are in the $2,000 ballpark. I'd be tempted. That if, that, that At that point, that. you start thinking,
1: well, if I could sock a bit of cash aside – that might pay for itself at some point. You, you would yeah. genuinely consider it at that point. There is no scenario where me getting fibre is worth 16000 and I'm not sure you could come up with a scenario unless it could be all claimed back at some point of
0: $27,000
1: being viable. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, a couple of grand you think, well, you know, that's going to add value to the house at some point if we do ever move along. Um twenty seven, I don't think there's many people who would – See that kind of value if you are. Oh, we got we got the fibre to the premises. Good for you. It's (sighs) all. You know, I
1: didn't know what to expect. I haven't seen a lot of buzz about this, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think it's just a, a slightly different social media circle these days. So <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen a lot of people talking about this. Uh, probably because it is that very high end level. Um, when you'd kind of mentioned quote numbers, I honestly thought we were talking about a couple of grand. Um, I thought sixteen grand sounded unreasonable. I had no idea that we were looking at significantly more. Uh, are they pitching it that way? to avoid people
0: taking up the offer i'm very yeah. confused is this meant to be prohibitive still part of me feels like that's part of me feels like that's what they're building in they're building in a sense of well we don't want to have to do this so let's put a number on it that means every cent of like we have to treat it as if someone is like i almost feel like man can i go to the tpg website and get a quote on getting them to run fiber to my house well, because it always feels like I might get a better deal if I go to the private market rather than going to the, you know, supposed backbone of our new infrastructure. Um, the biggest quote I heard was over $40,000 and that was actually in a Brisbane CBD area. Um, so, like the numbers do feel like there's some kind of random number generator attached to the back of this uh, website, as I mean, best I can tell. We're talking about the MBN Co., they are meant to be the wholesaler.
1: It, it is unusual for me as a private citizen talking about my private
0: home to be going to them for a quote to begin with. It really is, right? And I mean, it's funny because exactly as you say, that in so many respects, we always get told, um, no, no, no. Look, as much as we have a very active social media account that will jump in on any conversation that mentions us, we're also not actually the people that you're meant to ask any questions of. And we will usually tell you, even after jumping into that conversation, that you should go and talk to your uh, ISP. Yeah, go and talk to your provider. Uh, that's an issue for the provider. Your provider should be able to give you the answers on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Look, um, we've we'll probably spent more time on this one than I expected, but it, like, it's just—it's weird. Everybody feel free to go and play with this number. Um, if you have a better theory than mine, mine being that there is a random random number generator attached to uh, this webpage, um, please let us know, um, send us an email, shout out on uh, the socials. But I am fascinated to see um, if anybody actually got anything underneath five grand. Like I haven't heard anything under 10 basically. Um, so if they put it, In there for anybody to be able to get the kind of upgrade that would actually tempt you into spending a couple of grand. That would be fascinating to know if anybody has seen that kind of number.
1: Let us know. This is basically the NBN quote equivalent of pluck a duck on hey, hey. That's what we're after here. Um, And if you didn't understand that reference, please ask your granddad. They'll probably find it (laughs) hilarious.
0: What do you do, Seamus Byrne, when you get a spam call? What do you do? Um... Look, you know what? The question should almost be, what do I do when I get a call with any unknown number on it whatsoever? <laughs> I don't answer the phone. What, you just don't. I've had, straight had two up, today. It. I'm sure they were from someone that is probably PR, um, but I just have to screen calls now because I'm so sick to death of having some robotic voice tell me that I'm in trouble for something.
1: Mm. So very... Do you think you're getting more? I don't want to fixate on this, but do you think you've got more spam calls in the last, I'm going to say four weeks than you have previously seen?
0: Um, look, that's a good question. I would say yes. Yeah. Um, on my mobile, um, we do have a landline here that will probably switch off soon, but like a oh, landline, you know, it's like an NBN phone. Oh, okay, phone okay. Um, And literally the only reason it rings Um, Like it's basically been there because, you know, we've got kids in the house. They don't all have mobile phones. So it's that thing of having something they can make a call on if there's an emergency. Got it. Um, With that thing plugged in, it probably rings four times a day. And we know that there is no human that we know who would ring ring that number. So it is being randomly dialed by spam callers. And that's the only reason it rings, but it rings probably four times a day.
1: I want to get into why we're talking about this in a second, but I'm also interested. You said the robotic voice. Where do we delineate spam calls now? So I get quite a lot that is a human on the line who's like, oh, just wanted to talk to you about your electricity bill. Yeah, And I'm like, no, thank you. Very happy with paying a fortune because you know, I just don't want to have that conversation. Hang yeah. up. Is that a spam call? I mean, I don't know. They could be offering me a, a very genuine service that I'm just not interested in. We tend to yeah. say spam and scam a bit together at the moment. Do we, are we going to count that as spam because it's an advertising call?
0: Yeah, look, um, that's a really good point. I think um, yeah, the scam calls are typically the robots or yeah. anybody but there are plenty of times and it is a human that is trying to tell me something's wrong with my computer uh-huh. or You know, there's that kind of scamming that still goes on. Um, But there are also a lot of those cold calls that are just someone trying to sell you a new phone line or energy plan. It's, I mean, it's pretty much those two things, right? Would like to talk to
1: you about your investment opportunities. I'm like, oh, my investment opportunities. Well, unfortunately, I just sunk all my liquid capital into frozen kebab meat. So we're a bit out of luck here at the moment. Because if I've got money to invest, I work for the ABC. You don't be ridiculous. Look, like the <laughs> well, reason I was surprised you didn't say you would sunk it all in Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not crazy. Kebab meat's going to go up in value. <laughs> Frozen kebab meat—that is the place. That's the place. my kebab stocks. Um, <laughs> we are talking about this because the uh, ACMA, the ACMA—watch me using it correctly—the Australian Communications and Media Authority—they're um, actually putting the onus on telcos now. So this is being developed by the Communications Alliance. It's a registered set of rules. It's going to force Aussie telcos to detect, trace, and block spam calls. Because when I get those calls, I tend to block them on my phone. I register them straight away as spam, which um, I'm using the Pixel. It's got a really good system for that. Yeah. In fact, quite often it guesses it and says, hey, we thought this was spam. We sent it straight to voicemail. They didn't leave a message. We're pretty confident it is. Do you want to mark it as spam? I'm like, thank you. This is great. Putting the onus on the telcos is a very, very interesting way. So the code states that when spam calls are confirmed, carriers must take action. They must block those spam calls being originated and carrying over the network. This isn't just, you know, uh, calls originating on that telco's network, but just ones coming over it. So if you're on one telco, but they're generating the call from another one, it's still up to your telco to make sure they're not transmitting that spam call this is a real shift for where the onus lies
0: yeah yeah look i'm i mean i'm fascinated by this i hope it works because i genuinely feel like we've hit a point where and i've been sort of thinking about writing like an opinion piece about it where it's like the, the the idea of the telephone has kind of been killed by that fear that this call you're about to receive isn't something that is going to be useful and in fact is going to be something that just wastes your time and the act of answering it might even get you, you know, put onto a hot list of active phone numbers that are worth trying again and again and again.
1: Now I worry about that too. Um... The caveat here is that I do a lot of my work over the phone still. Um, I, you know, With the kind of job I do, it is significantly quicker for me to call someone than to send a volley of texts and emails and what yeah. have you, which I know many people prefer to do. But, you know, I can usually, I think you and I have had this conversation dating back 10 years, you can usually turn around these requests for interviews and information about 10 times quicker if you get someone on the phone. Get on the phone. And especially for radio. <laughs> I need to be on the phone. I need to know if the person I'm talking to is going to be any good to talk to. There's a real talent check aspect to that. So I am answering my phone, except for the ones where I'm like, oh my God, that is just so obviously a spam call. And I do tend to hang up pretty quickly or or let them go through to the keeper. This is, as far as I know, uh, as a proposed set of regulations, unique in the
0: world. Nowhere else is taking such a hard line on spams and scams. Mm. And... Look, the, one of the things that jumps out at me is that sense of, right, like if there's a way that they can pretty much just try to implement the kind of tech that, that Google has put into phones like the Pixel, right? Mm. Like I am i don't mind if my phone rings if my phone can warn me. It's absolutely something that Apple has not done yet, and I love that as a feature on the Pixel. I've seen screenshots you know, of people where it's just kind of got that warning thing that this... This number has been reported, you know, so what do you want to do about this particular thing? Um, That kind of proactive uh, defense, I think, is going to be a huge part of stopping this. And in that way that, you know, that in those, like the 90s with email, we really did have a long time there where we had to sit there and manually clean every spam message that we would receive. And then finally kind of the, the filters got to a point where, it was a lot better. There were some false positives and I still kind Uh of notice when I go and check my spam filter sometimes, there's still some false positives. And that's absolutely something that in a phone call context, you really do start to raise some broader issues there about what it means to even block someone from being able to ring somebody.
1: I think the fact you even check your spam filter, um, and I do as well, it ages us a little bit. Like it actually says we, we are from that iteration of internet use where spam was something you took care of yourself. And we are so used to those false positives, which are few and far between these days, um, to be honest, uh, that we can't help ourselves. We're going to jump in every now and then and just go, yeah. "Oh no, I did want that one. I did want yeah. that one."
0: Yeah, uh, and also, yeah, momentary shout out to uh, three people who entered the uh, the bite side oh. Xbox either way and who then marked us as spam rather than just hitting the unsubscribe button that is right there in the email. Um, Because of course that does then start to, you know, build like a weird profile attached to the emails that you send out. Um So it was like, wow, they were like so rude as to enter the competition and then just go, yeah, and screw you. I'm going to mark you as spam, but you know, joke on them. They actually did that before the competition was even drawn. So they literally never had a chance of winning weird. That's, a little upsetting. I'm really sorry about
1: that. No, oh, come on. And look, you know, if you are one of the people who occasionally thinks, oh, scam, spam, whatever, what's the big deal? People don't get caught. People do get caught. I know last year, I can't yeah. actually think what the amount this year is, but the last year, and I was pre COVID, $630 million lost in scams. These are crazy sophisticated. So something needs to be done. It's having a real impact and hurting people in the real world. So, you know, maybe this will be the one to make a change to it.
0: You know, I noticed one of the things sort of in the information about this code is a really big part of it is the calls that are essentially pretending to be from Australian numbers, but are actually originating from overseas. It feels like some of these are the kinds of things where there should be a pretty clear flag that within the telco network itself they should be able to spot you know so there's kind of those identifiers that i hope does mean that right like so many of these things if you are able to stamp out the obvious 95 percent quite quickly um and then sort of really start to reduce you know a i guess you reduce the even the the value because the effort becomes harder if you're essentially being blocked from a whole country and it's hard to slip past those defenses, then it means they just start targeting other places. Um, so, you know, there's a few of those kinds of things that I think if they can, if those things work out well, then if all, if it becomes that traditional thing of it is just some spam energy company that is, it's like not necessarily a scam, but it's just the spam call, then at least we sort of get rid of the super dangerous stuff quite quickly. So fingers crossed on that front.
1: Fingers very much crossed on that one. I feel like that was the podcast equivalent of a big plate of broccoli talking
0: about <laughs> yes. ACMA regulations and spam. Have you got something a little sweeter for us? I do. I do. Look, um, uh, yeah, we've got a story up on the site um, that is yeah by... Um, one of our awesome team members. And they've actually kind of written about the whole issue of game loading screens and the nature of um, what it what they've kind of meant through the history of games. So it, I thought it was interesting food for thought because we touched on sort of some of the whole, the speed of loading and things like that with the new era of consoles and, and how it's like that's kind of a subtle thing, but it's also a positive thing. Um, but, yeah, Grace Hester wrote this piece and basically said, there's a lot of stuff through games that has actually been presented to us while we've been waiting for things to load. And that there's a little bit of that that does mean we kind of lose something. And so I was curious if you also kind of had any sense of that. I know, like, there's plenty of those... Loading screen, sort of hints and tips that kind of get thrown up sometimes. Other times where you know you kind of put in the fake elevator and <laughs> then a bit of character dialogue might happen while you're sort of while it's loading the next you know level in. Um but also I've I've seen somebody mention that they have felt more inclined to really like try more crazy stuff while playing Spider-Man Miles Morales because they're less fearful of how long it's going to take to reload that level if they die. Um, and so, you know, so they just feel like, oh, I can just try stuff because the stakes feel a little bit lower than being forced to wait 20 seconds like they might've used to have to. Um, so there's like, there's kind of real tension there on what it means to kind of reduce those loading times, but um I feel like there's almost part of it, the old man version of it, where you're like, oh, the loading screen is that chance to go and grab a drink, like a an ad break, in a sense.
1: I'm glad you mentioned the elevators, because I loved that about Mass Effect and the the jokes that were around <laughs> it. But it's like, no one knows how the Protheans died, but it was probably waiting for an elevator at a gas. <laughs> like, yes. hmm. I, you know what, I've never thought about having any genuine affection for a loading screen. You, you've kind of got me here. I, You know what? Hang on. The return of Matt Hazard, Eat Lead, the Will Arnett-voiced video game (laughs) (laughs) semi-parody, they had amazing loading screens. In fact, they even had a joke about the elevators. There's one bit where you are playing as Matt Hazard. You're stuck in an elevator waiting for it to reach its destination. And if you start mucking around with the controller, he actually tells you off. He's like, if your time was so valuable, you wouldn't be playing a game. What are you doing? <laughs> but they also did great jokes about those kind of tip, uh, you know, the, the, the um, game. You know, when you've got a loading screen, it's giving you a bit of information, it's giving you tips yeah. and things like that. There yeah. was one that actually read something along the lines of like, tip, small amount of money given for <laughs> for good service. <laughs> they did everything like that. Yeah. Those jokes aren't going to work anymore if we don't have loading screens.
0: Yeah. And look, you know, it, it does feel like a weird little kind of thing to to fixate on too much. But, the, you know, with so many different aspects of how people kind of were forced to embrace this kind of little thing, um, like even right in some horror games, you know, where they've sort of turned the loading screens into like a slow creeping dread, you know, as like a light slowly mm-hmm. sort of moves towards you on the screen and they can build that sense of, of, of tension and the music can kind of go to a really weird place that that some of that idea of kind of a game encouraging you to slow down for a moment um has a kind of positivity to it when we're feeling like you know games are kind of that release and a, a kind of a way to to chill out whereas again you know In two years, I'm sure we'll be laughing about this as a stupid discussion in the same way that, you know, when everybody went, oh, no, they've doubled the number of characters available in Twitter. How will we ever be as pithy as we have been for the last eight years? Ruined everything. Uh, Yeah, so there's that kind of weird element to it, but I I can kind of see that how, you know, designers have used that in sort of some interesting ways too. They have used it in interesting ways, but...
1: So I've been playing a lot of Fallout 4 again. Like I've really soaked myself back into it. I've been amazed at how much I'm encountering for the first time after playing previously a lot of Fallout Fallout 4. Big game, really weird. Uh, A lot of loading here and there, especially when um, you're doing fast travel. You mentioned, you know, it's a great time to go get a drink, except if the game's going to dump you into the game with the game running. So I have done a bit of fast travel. It's been taking forever to get there. I've run out to just grab something from the fridge and come back to discover I'm in combat and being shot at because <laughs> I've arrived and thanks to fast travel I'm in the middle of a gunfight and I'm mostly dead and
0: I'm like okay well that wasn't
1: what we were looking forward
0: to was it? Was yeah. it? Yeah. Look, that's a very good point that 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 yeah, that that shift between we're forcing something to load, but do not take your eyes off the screen because the instant this is finished loading, there's a set piece it just combat could be on. sequence that's about to you know, you're like, whoa, whoa, that's that's a really bad way to transition.
1: Will I miss loading screens? Yeah, a little bit, but I'll also forget they existed after a while. How about yeah. that?
0: Yeah. I think yeah, I think that's an easy one. Um yeah, look, let's start to wrap this thing up. Let's Wins or fails, Uh, Nick, do you have one or the other this week?
1: Yeah, I've got both because I can't tell what this is. The monolith, the Utah (laughs) monolith that disappeared, the Romanian monolith that then disappeared. Apparently a third one's just cropped up in the last couple of hours. I'm intrigued. I think it's entertaining. I think it's gone so far now that no matter what the answer is, it's never going to be interesting enough to, like, have sustained us over three different bloody monoliths. And if it is a viral ad campaign, I'm going to lose my nana. I'm just going to lose it.
0: Look, I mean, one of the things I remember hearing about the one in Utah was that uh, satellite pictures show it had been there for years. There we go. Like, so there's that kind of oddity to it where it's like suddenly people have noticed it and then it gets taken away. Like, really weird stuff when when people have then looked back at old photos and gone, it, it was actually, it's been there a long
1: time. The Utah one fascinated me because the, the point people were making that you had to put real effort in to get something like this set up. So if it was an art project, it was one of the most unique ones anyone had seen in terms of the effort for reward. But imagine yeah. you did do it. Imagine that years ago you'd set up that monolith and just now, People were paying attention to it and suddenly it's become a phenomenon when maybe even then you thought people would go, Oh, that's really interesting, and leave it at that. I mean, depending yeah. on how long it's been there, you might never have even understood the concept of something going viral.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? That's yeah, that's a really good point too. And definitely then the weird thing of the uh, was it was it Romania? I'm pretty sure it was Romania. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty but sure the, it was Romania. Yeah, you know, like to then have sort of this other one all the way across in Europe kind of appear. And it did look like a very similar material structure or it could have been a Photoshop. Like there's so much. Then you hit that point where you're like, what is even real anymore? Um, (laughs) The thing it keeps making me think of was I was even just joking a few, it was probably only days before this stuff started to appear. Um, And I was thinking about how all this year needs is the footage from like the William Gibson pattern recognition Book stuff where it's like that's that's all we need to kind of close this year out is some weird thing where clips of footage start appearing and people start trying to analyze them work out what's going on and they aren't sure if it's viral marketing and they aren't sure if it's some kind of art project or some secret kind of deep meaningful thing and now i'm like oh my god now you've got these like weird glass mirrored monolith things and people are thinking a lot of those same thoughts. And then I did see William Gibson tweet that actually he's on a team who's basically going, They're not monoliths. They're not made of rock. There is no lith in this monolith. And I'm like I love that he's being pedantic about what even is a monolith. Come on.
1: (laughs) It's a fair cop, but yeah, roll with it. Have some fun with it. Come on.
0: Yeah. No, I I think they're really cool too. And I just, yeah, I hope that there is no answer that ever comes forth because at least then, you know, that it can then have its little kind of moment of weirdness without it being like, as you say, like I I saw someone actually just earlier tweeting a bunch of um, brands that are trying to sort of bounce off it, um, (laughs) which was the kind of thing that at least you kind of go, well, it's clearly not a specific brand if at this point a whole bunch of other brands have just tried to like, yeah, basically, do some viral marketing on the fact that this thing has exploded on the internet. There's an IBM one where mm. they've said the monolith didn't disappear, it just came home, and there's like a Photoshop of it in one of their giant server farms. Um, <laughs> TED Talks did one where it says the mysterious monolith has appeared on the TED stage, <laughs> <laughs> and Budweiser saying it's a beer fridge, sure.
1: Sure, sure, sure. You know what? I think I take it back. I think it is absolutely a fail now and social media it was a terrible error on, <laughs> on society's behalf. Are you going to win or a fail for me?
0: Um, I have a fail for us. Um, and well, I already mentioned one, which is those lovely people who called us. Men. Yeah. Um, but the other was guess what? I'm not a fan of Facebook. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that on no, this it's show. never come up, ever. No. <laughs> but. We've been using Instagram sort of a bit more uh, recently with sort of the, uh, with, yeah, the side account, and we've sort of been starting to try to more regularly put up sort of links to stories and things like that, and it's definitely one of those places that people like to hang out. So we were trying to use that a bit more, but then totally sort of separate to that, I started all of a sudden about, it was probably early last week, um, or no, late last week, I think, um, that. I started getting DMs from people and stuff going, is this you? And it was people who were getting direct messaged by an account that I'm not going to mention, but it was this basically fake side Instagram account that had claimed a few of our posts. And so just basically, you know, repeated a few of our posts on a new page. Um, They used part of our name and then added some other crap to the end of it. Um, They had blocked the actual Side account, so we couldn't see it. Um, and it was also made as a private account. So it meant only if you, if they followed you, then you could see what they had. So they started following people that followed Biteside and then started DMing people saying, Oh, congratulations, you've won. Um, and you know, blah, 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 trying to get people to click a link that would then basically fish people. And you're like, Holy crap, we're like, You know, on one level, you're like, wow, I guess, you know, this competition is getting a bit of attention when someone bothers trying to fish people who've entered it. Um, But the flip side of that was we reported the account Mm. to uh, Instagram. They jumped on it straight away? Sorry? They jumped on it straight away, couldn't wait to help? Um, Look, it didn't take them long. It took them about two hours to get back to me and say, we don't see a problem here. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Literally... Someone looked at it and went, no, no, there's no issue here. And, of course, I couldn't report it from the actual BiteSide account to say this is impersonating me um, because it was blocked. blocked. So I had to do it from my own account um, and basically say this is fraudulent and it's trying to scam people. Uh, And then after that initial rejection, it was like, all right, so we started to post warnings. And we posted warnings on Twitter and we posted warnings on Instagram uh, and and on Facebook, I think as well. and then asked people to report it as well if they had spotted or particularly if they had had these messages to try to you know fish them. and still at the last time I checked that account is still active on Instagram. I've had, no other follow up messages, even after you know that very polite rejection of the report. Um, said if you feel we've made this in error, please report again. Mm. And it's like, so it did, <laughs> and lots of other people did. And it just seems like they then have just ignored all further reports. And that page is still a private, uh, private Instagram account sitting there, still having tried to fish a bunch of people. And it's Just the kind of thing that makes you go, um, like, wow, they just don't give a shit about fraud either. I mean, as much as we've talked about kind of their implications in genocide and different things, you're like, yeah, but at least, you know, maybe fraud against people who live in countries where they make lots of money, that might actually have some kind of impact. No, no, they didn't care. That is awful, Um, and that is not
1: how this is supposed to work. And, you know, we've said this over and over and over again. uh, There needs to be a greater emphasis on responsibility when it comes to those social media platforms to clean up those platforms, not just fraud, but on a wider scale as well.
0: Yeah, and that's it. The thing that really gets me is, well, clearly it's not just us. Like, I have no doubt that there's a whole little kind of routine that there's some scammers out there who have when they go, oh, You know, there's a competition running. Here's our little routine that we can now go through to try to get something out of that. When we talk about all the kind of scam losses that, you know, Australia kind of reports, I feel like, well, there'd probably be something related to those numbers that might run through these kinds of scams. There is a reporting mechanism available. Great. How on earth that reporting mechanism looked at what was happening and went, nah, looks fine. That is the thing that just baffles me that someone actually took the time to tell her. At least if they'd ignored it, you go, "Oh, geez, this reporting system is rubbish. Not, yeah, we had a look and we're fine with it.
1: So it is rubbish, but it's deliberately rubbish, not
0: accidentally rubbish. And look, I mean, in terms of uh, their responsibility at that point, you know, there's certainly an argument to be had that it's like you've acknowledged that this thing exists and you've acknowledged that you think it's fine. Therefore, if someone did get money stolen from them, are they now responsible? Now, I'm not a lawyer. I have no idea whatsoever, but you would hope that that starts to put those kinds of discussions into a very different frame for their responsibility. Responsibility.
1: And, uh, you know, look, the the old saying goes, as soon as you start hitting the bottom line of these companies, it should be something they react to. Let's wait and see what happens. 2021 yeah. challenge, clean up your act, social media.
0: Yeah. You know, we've thrown the challenge at you from time to time over recent years, but you know, with a new president in America uh, next year, uh, and one that is more likely to actually actively take an interest in this stuff, that's part of where it does seem like they're already trying to make a lot of moves to clean up their act a little bit when it comes to, uh, you know, dodgy speech on their platforms, because I think they know that that kind of new wave of uh, legislation might be coming to make them clean up their act and so, you know, fingers crossed some of that actually happens in the year ahead. All right. Should we wrap it up? Should we wrap it up for the year? Yes. So, you know, um, look, I my one little last shout-out thing is we have launched member support on BiteSide on the Fantastic. website. Go to Byteside.com um, and you can, you'll can you see a little support BiteSide button there. You can sign up to, you know, become a monthly donation person or you can sign up to just give us a little one-off. But it's just about sort of, you know, this is kind of a soft launch at the moment. It's about just creating that opportunity for people to support what we're doing. We pay the writing team that we have working on the website. You know, we're trying really hard to create something new and that has a a unique voice in the Australian market. So we hope some people out there might start to give us some support. And if you are more motivated by cool, shiny toys like the Xbox recently, then Shout out to Steel Series, who is going to give us a keyboard and mouse and headset package to give away this month. So that's probably the kind of gear that they have. That's pro- probably worth in the ballpark of like an Xbox in terms oh, wow. of, you know, a couple of hundred bucks worth for each of those items quite often in the quality gear that they sell for gamers. So. Go and check it out. We will be doing essentially monthly member draws as a way to get a bit of support from the PR community for us to help us encourage other people to you know, get on Team Byte side and maybe win something from time to time. But mostly feel nice in your heart. We're not paywalling anything. We're not hiding anything. We are just sort of creating this starting opportunity to see if some people might help us keep doing what we do in the year ahead. Perfect. That said, Let's wrap it up. Uh, Nick, Yeah, where can people find you on the internet?
1: It tracked me down for a while. Um, uh, dr Nick on Twitter. That's dr underscore n-i-c. And uh, you can actually go and find my Facebook page as well. I am open. It's just Nick Healy on Facebook. If you do that, you can actually see some photos. I got sent by a Taronga Western Plains zookeeper recently showing off how meerkats cool down when it's hot. Apparently they don't like having wet fur, so the keepers <laughs> wet down the sand and then the meerkats dig a little hole for their tummies and lie flat oh. down on the sand to cool off. I've got a bunch of photos that the keeper sent me from inside the enclosure.
0: They're really cute. <laughs> that is the kind of photo we need to close out a terrible year, so I love it. I, am, I will go on Facebook to go and find those photos.
1: <laughs> Please <laughs> do. Shamus, Look- where can people get you?
0: Yeah, I'm at Seamus on Twitter. Uh and uh I'm I'm Seamus Byrne on Instagram. I never say that bit out loud, but I am. Um I don't post much there anymore. Um at Biteside, of course, on Twitter at the Byteside on Instagram, and you can email us ask at bite if you've got any other thoughts or theories or what you'd like to see us do more of in 2021. Uh, as we said, this will be the last episode for this year and then we'll be back later in January, um, like late January, something like that. That sounds about right. Um, but don't unsubscribe while we're away. <laughs> Stick around. Uh, and we will catch you again in 2021.